0: If you want to turn in your Bibles to the book of Jonah, last time we spoke on a Wednesday night, we continued our minor prophet series. And we came to the prophet Jonah, who is probably the most popular and well-known of the minor prophets. And we looked at chapter one to basically set the stage for Jonah's trip to whale school. And that was the title of the message, Jonah Goes to Whale School. And tonight as we look in Chapter 2, I'm going to approach this just a little bit different than I normally do. I'm going to try to look down through Chapter 2 three different times and look at three different aspects of Chapter 2 as we consider Jonah getting his diploma. This is Jonah's diploma, that's the title of this message. This is where he graduates from Whale School which as I said last week, this is not a place that you wanna go. And we can go there in many different ways. We don't want to be swallowed by a whale for sure. But I look at what Jonah went through and I think about me going my own way many, many times. And I have been to whale school in a sense, I just haven't got the advanced degree that Jonah got. This is the most advanced degree that any person could ever get in whale school. And this is not something you should aspire to. <laughs> so let's read. I want to I read the whole chapter because it's very short. And then set the stage for looking at this at three different aspects, okay? As we consider Jonah's diploma. And we're going to catch verse 17 of the first chapter so we can see how this sequentially goes. Now the Lord had prepared a great fish to swallow up Jonah. And Jonah was in the belly of the fish three days and three nights. Then Jonah prayed unto the Lord his God out of the fish's belly and said, I cried by reason of mine affliction unto the Lord. And he heard me out of the belly of hell, cried I. And thou heardest my voice, for thou hast cast me into the deep in the midst of the seas, and the floods can pass me about. All thy billows and thy waves passed over me. Then I said, I am cast out of thy sight, yet I will look again toward thy holy temple. The waters can pass me about, even to the soul. The depth closed me round about. The weeds were wrapped around my head. Very descriptive. I went down to the bottoms of the mountains. The earth with her bars was about me forever. Yet, thou, yet hast thou brought up my life from corruption, O Lord my God. When my soul fainted within me, I remembered the Lord, and my prayer came in unto thee, into thine holy temple. They that observe lying vanities forsake their own mercy, but I will sacrifice unto thee with the voice of thanksgiving. I will pay that that I have vowed. Salvation is of the Lord. And the Lord spake unto the fish, and it vomited out Jonah upon the dry land. If you remember, we talked last week about Jonah being from in the area of Galilee that was about five miles north from Nazareth. So this is a very significant area that he came from. And he was called to go to Nineveh. To the east, he was to go 550 miles so he goes the opposite direction, and he takes a ship of these mariners headed to Tarshish, which is probably 1,000 miles away, as we said last week. And if you remember, these men are pagans. It doesn't mean that they are not children of God. I believe at least some of them were children of God because they made vows and made sacrifices to Jonah's God, the true God, after what happened on the ship and the storm calmed down. But it's interesting that he goes and he teams up with pagans, with people that don't worship Jehovah. Okay? And while he's in the belly of the ship, (laughs) asleep, the pagans are up there on the deck praying to their false gods. (laughs) And that's when they call to John and say, wake up, sleeper. Pray to your God, you see. So there's a little bit of an undercurrent or maybe a lot of an undercurrent going on in this story, this account, about who is the true God. The God of the pagans that they prayed to and didn't do anything? because they, they're not real, or the God of Jonah who said, cast me over into the water and the Lord's wrath will be appeased. And sure enough, they cast him in the water <laughs> and the storm stops. And I told you, I think I left you last time we talked about, I could just picture a sailor looking over the side and thinking, that poor guy, you know, he's going to drown. <laughs> and then he sees the whale gobble him up. And he thinks, no doubt, well, the Lord had it in for that guy. <laughs> Jonah's God is after him. So you get that little bit of background set there as you consider Jonah getting this degree in the school of advanced whaleology, if you will. So it says in 16 and 17 of the previous chapter that the men on the ship feared the Lord exceedingly and offered a sacrifice unto the Lord and made vows. And the Lord had prepared this fish, this whale, to swallow up Jonah. Jonah. So, I want you to think about the dynamics of what is going on here. We talked about how the Lord has the wind in his fist and he sends this wind to rock the boat about. The storm comes after the boat. And at the same time, in the sovereignty of God, he's got this fish coming. You know, he, don't ask me how he does it, he just does it because he has control. He's got this whale coming, and it's just on a, like a torpedo line, you know, to come to this exact location of where they're going to toss Jonah off into the water. And before Jonah drowns in the water, the, the whale's going to gobble him up. And so Jonah's in the whale, in the belly of the whale for three days and three nights. And don't ever forget, this is not a, some kind of fable. If this is a fable, then Christ's resurrection is a fable because Christ said the only sign that's going to be given to this generation is the sign of the prophet Jonah. As Jonah was in the belly of the whale three days and three nights, so shall the Son of Man be in the heart of the earth. And I remind you, as I said before, if you can believe and you do believe that Jesus resurrected from the grave and God by his own power reanimated himself and gave himself life back, it's not hard to believe that God could keep a man alive inside the belly of a stinking whale. So the whale swallows him up. It says... The definition of that is to devour. I mean, it literally gobbled him. I don't know if the whale, a whale can't think like a man, obviously, but it's under the direction of God. So you don't know what the thought process was of this whale other than this is going to be a good meal. (laughs) And so he swallows up Jonah and Jonah is taken into the belly of the whale. And if you look at the definition of the word belly, it, it can mean, it literally means stomach or intestines. So this completely dispels the Geppetto notion from Pinocchio, you know, where they're sitting inside the whale, well, you know, roasting marshmallows or something, you know, Jonah's in the belly of the whale. Now we're going to look at this from three angles. so first of all, let's look at Jonah's condition physically. Okay. We're going to go down through here and look at it physically. All right. First of all, look at it. He says, I cried. It says Jonah prayed unto the Lord, his God out of the fish's belly. So he's praying in the belly of this fish. And he's not sitting there down on his knees, you know, doing this like we do in our closets. <laughs> I mean, he is compressed in the belly of this whale. And it, he says, in the intestines of this whale, in the, in the stomach of this whale, he begins to cry out. So here we have Jonah saying, I cried by reason of mine affliction unto the Lord. And he heard me. Out of the belly of hell cried I. So you could also look at this as we consider this as lessons from hell, okay? Jonah was in a hell on earth. The word hell there is the Hebrew word sheol, which most of the time in the Old Testament, it means the grave. But it can mean, not just when you're dead, but it can mean living in something that is like some some type of lake of fire, you see? And I can't think of anything that would be more like a lake of fire existence than being in the intestines or the belly of a nasty whale. See? I mean, a whale can decompose and can break down just about anything, that it, practically anything it eats. <laughs> you know, I told you there have been some men that have cut open whales and found the armor of knights that had been swallowed whole. And I assure you the bodies and the bones of the knights were not in there. <laughs> they had been decomposed. They had been destroyed by the, the gastric juices of, this, of the whale. So, Jonah says, I'm in the belly of hell. So, we, not only do we have Jonah getting an advanced degree in whale school, but we also have lessons from hell. These are lessons that are given by Jonah to us on what it can be like here on earth, still breathing, still living on earth, and existing in a terrible condition. You can't get any worse. Some of you say, I've been through a lot. You haven't been through this, you haven't been through the belly of the whale. You might have figuratively, but you have not literally been in the belly of a whale. Look, it says, I cried by reason of mine affliction, and he heard me out of the belly of hell. That's how Jonah describes the fish's belly, the whale's belly. And it says in verse 3, for thou hast cast me into the deep. The word cast means to hurl. So it is literally as if God just took Jonah and just, just threw him into the sea. Now, I know the mariners threw him over. But it, that's where God intended for him to be, whether it was the mariners throwing him over or whether the Lord just picked him up himself and just tossed him into the sea. He, Jonah sees that he has been hurled into the deep, into the midst of the seas. It says, the floods can pass me about. All thy billows and waves passed over me. This is a description of a person who is seasick. You ever been seasick? Oh, buddy, I have. <laughs> I don't know how our folks got over from England, Scotland, Ireland, a mixture of all that. I don't know how our ancestors got over, but they would have had to tranquilize me to get me over here because I step on a boat, something kind of goes up. And, and you know what? Brother Asher's worse than me. I can't believe it. I've passed that, it's perfected in him. <laughs> you know, we went to a meeting one time with Brother Neil and some of his children, and we were driving in that little white van y'all used to have, Brother Andrew. And, Man, of course, we were late, 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 late because of me. And so we're flying down the, the road to get there. And I'm darting in and out of traffic and so forth. And so bless Asher's heart. He was a little bitty fellow back then. And we pulled in to the meeting. You remember that, Brother Andrew? And as soon as we pulled in, there goes Brother Asher. He was sick as a dog. Now, he's better than me because he recovers just like that. When I do that, when I throw up, I'm seasick. It takes me days to recover. But Brother Asher recovered just like that. He's tougher than me in that sense. This is Jonah describing that type of sickness, all thy billows. And when I read that, I started kind of just feeling a little woozy, you know. Sister Tracy and I took a afternoon, evening cruise. I lost my mind. And we took an afternoon cruise on our eighth anniversary in Hawaii, and it cruised the, the Nepali coast. It was going to be dinner and, you know, 10 or 15, 20 people on that cruise. It was a catamaran, big catamaran. And I was just so in love that I lost my mind, thought I could actually make it. I was so sick on that, didn't need a bite, paid so much money, didn't need a bite, they wouldn't even give us a to-go bag or nothing. All that money I paid, and she didn't need either, because I made her sick, her just looking at me laying there. And I had to pinch my side for three and a half hours, just so I wouldn't I felt like die. So I, I pinching my side kept me alive, I felt like for those three and a half hours. Everybody's saying, What's wrong with him? And she's like, he's a landlubber. When I read this. I am getting sick feeling, talking to y'all about it right now. I can't take it. Never could have been an astronaut, nothing like that, no pilot in me or anything. Put me on solid ground and let me walk, okay? Jonah's describing an extreme form of seasickness. Thy billows and thy waves are passing over me and it's just a constant motion, like a centrifuge. It's just a constant, the, the whales swimming and up and down and all around. And he's describing that. Now look at verse 4. He says, Then I said I am cast out of thy sight. That's kind of a repeat, but we'll come back to that at a different angle. Yet I will look again toward thy holy temple. Watch verse 5 as we consider the physical aspect of what is going through. The waters come past me about. Now we need to pause right there because if you ever think there's nothing really to study in the Bible and you can't figure it out, here we go again. I'm giving my pitch to you again. If you will do word definitional studies, you will open up the world of the King James translation. You will open up the world of it that God intended for you to experience. Because you say, well, that just says waters and waters is spoken of before. If you will look at the definition and I'm not saying you got to know Hebrew, you got to know Greek. I'm not saying that at all. Just look at the definitions of these words. And the word waters right there is a different word than the previous water where it says, thy billow and thy waves and the floods and the seas. It's different. And the definition of the words where it says, the waters can pass me about, <laughs> it is wastewater. Are you with me? He's talking about the wastewater of the whale. And he's speaking, the wastewater of the whale has compassed me about. But I want you to get what this man's going through. You can't get any lower or any worse than this. This is the wastewater of the whale. And it's in his face. It's on his body. Is that not as nasty as you could possibly get? And it is waste that he's floating in. It's not just any old water. Okay, we won't belabor that, but y'all get the picture. The wastewater can pass me about even to the soul. The depth, that means subterranean water, that is the deep water. That's the water where it's so dark that you can't see. The depth has closed me round about. I've always loved this description right here. The weeds were wrapped around my head. The seaweed that this whale had ingested through the different times that the whale would eat, that's in his stomach. And in the word wrapped around, it means saddled. <laughs> and y'all ever if you've ever saddled a horse <laughs> and you just pull that saddle down, you better pull it down tight or the, the saddle's gonna twist and you're gonna come off of it, and so's the saddle. You can come off the horse and it is tight around his face. Can you just picture old Jonah with that seaweed just wrapped around nasty seaweed? I'll never order kelp off of a menu. <laughs> Because I've seen where kelp lay before they picked it up and went and washed it and do whatever they do to it try to make it look good and cook it. And they say, oh, that's some of the best stuff you could ever eat. It may be the best thing that you could ever possibly eat, but I will not eat it. <laughs> it's seaweed is what it is. And Jonah's got this stuff wrapped around his face. He's a pretty sight, isn't he? The depth closed me around about. The weeds were wrapped about my head. I went down to the bottoms of the mountains. You probably have never heard of a submarine, maybe in recent years, but there's probably never been a submarine that went as deep or deeper than this. They've invented such technology now that they probably have. But Jonah says, we went so far down, you know, there's mountains underwater that are taller than even mountains like Mount Everest. And this is the Mediterranean area, of course. And so what happens here is this whale, if you can just picture him just going down, down, down. And can you imagine the compression Upon Jonah going through this, I mean, it, you know the further down you go, the more weight there is, you know? And so Jonah's going, da- uh, Jonah's going down, down, down in the belly of the swell, until the finally plane's off at the bottom of the mountains. So he goes from the top down to the bottom of the mountains, and now he's on the plains on the, on the floor, the sea floor, at the bottom. He says the earth with her bars was about me forever. This is a prison like no other. Bars is a reference to prison. This is a prison like no other. There's no getting out of this prison. <laughs> There's no way he's coming out of his own power. So he's in a pitiful situation as a prisoner in a dungeon, but worse than a prisoner in a dungeon because he's in the bottom of the sea. Okay? So that is one view of the physical aspect of what Jonah is going through. Hope you see it clearly. Some of you are probably saying, well, you made some of it a little too clear. But anyway... Now, let's go back and let's look at another lesson that Jonah gets from the belly of the whale, from the belly of hell. And let's consider the next lesson, which would be Jonah dealing with reality. Okay, let's see how Jonah in in the belly of the whale deals with the reality of where he is. Look at verse four. He says, then I said, you see, he's having a conversation with himself. You're not crazy if you talk to yourself. (laughs) Then Jonah says to himself, in realizing the condition that he's in, he says, "I am cast out of thy sight." (laughs) Listen, one of the greatest things that we can do as children of God is deal with reality. You know, I have people all the time will say, "Well, this happened to me, or that happened to me," and you know, it's so and so's fault, or so and so, and you know, there may be some fault on different people or whatever. But in order to deal with our circumstance, we have to deal with reality. How did I get here? What happened? What did I do to contribute to this to get here? We cannot move forward as children of God without dealing with reality. That's one of the reasons we have to be very careful, very careful about some of the trends or a lot of the trends of modern psychology or psychiatry. Some of it can be helpful. Some of it can be good. But when you get into the trend and the vein that says you're a victim and everything else is somebody else's fault, that is not biblical psychiatry or psychology. Because biblical psychiatry and psychology, Christian psychiatry and psychology, will tell you the reality of things and help you face reality. We're in a broken world. We're in a fallen world. And in a fallen world, tragedies occur. And in a fallen world, I make bad decisions sometimes and put myself in places where I shouldn't. And I suffer the consequences for those things. And it's nobody's fault but my own. Jonah is owning his situation. He's saying, I'm the reason that I'm here. Now, this is not to say that there can't be circumstances where, you know, in true victim circumstances where somebody attacks someone or assaults someone or something happens to someone that's just be, you know, a tornado hits or a hurricane comes along or or just, you know, a car wreck or something. I mean, there are circumstances where things like that happen because why we live in a fallen world, but we got to face the reality of that. We live in a fallen world and bad things are going to happen. You know, there was a book years ago about why bad things happen to good people. Some of y'all may remember that book. Well, that book, the whole premise of that book is wrong. The, the title should be, to be biblical, why bad things happen to bad people. Because all of mankind is bad. See, it's a total off-base foundation. Now, that doesn't mean everybody that walks along is you know, deserving of some kind of judgment or, or to be punished. I'm not saying that. But understand, mankind without God is bad. Is evil Because of the fall in the Garden of Eden, we all inherit the sin of Adam. And something's got to happen. Something's got to change for us to be able to be good. And that is the grace and mercy of God. Jonah's learning that lesson as we look at this in the scripture. What you're hearing from me right now, he's learning that lesson. And he says, I am cast out of thy sight. (laughs) Jonah is dealing with reality while he's in the belly of hell. The word phrase cast out means to drive out from a possession. God has driven Jonah out from a possession. It means to expatriate or to divorce or to drive away or to expel. And Jonah has been expelled from the presence of God, from the fellowship of God, you see? And Jonah says, I am cast out of thy sight. And I want you to notice the yets in here. Praise God for the yets. He says, yet. I will look again toward thy holy temple. How in the world could a man in the belly of the whale being assaulted by the physical situations that he's facing, how could this man say, yet there's hope? Only by the grace of God. Yet I will look again toward thy holy temple. And notice, remember that now, he's not just looking anywhere. He's looking to the holy temple. He looks to the holy temple. Look at verse 6. I went down to the bottoms of the mountains. The earth with her bars was about me. Yet, there it is again, hast thou brought up my life from corruption. Now that is a reference to ascending from death. Because when he says bring up my life, he's referring to, I guess, you know, this is how I look at it. (laughs) This is in my own words. This is the Brother Tim commentary. (laughs) Jonah realizes after, I don't know, 10 minutes in the belly of the whale, 12 hours in the belly of the whale, a day in the belly of the whale, Jonah realizes, I'm not dead. <laughs> you see? He's still alive somehow. And I want you to know that he says this before the whale vomits him out. See? In the belly of the whale, he is acknowledging, the only reason I'm alive in the midst of this terrible circumstance is because God is bringing up my life from corruption. <laughs> That's something. That's something. So the reason I'm being very meticulous with this is because I want you to see the thought process that's going on in Jonah's mind. And I'm telling you, he doesn't know God's time frame. He doesn't know three days and three nights. He doesn't know if God will ever deliver him in in his lifetime out of the belly of the whale. So after a certain point, 30 seconds, 12 hours a day, he's in there for three days and three nights. He finally begins to acknowledge the only reason I'm still here is by the grace and mercy of God. That's important. Why is that important to you today? It's important to you and it's important to me today because there are times in our lives when we get in situations that we cannot deliver ourselves from and we just have to trust in that situation, whether it's a physical infirmity, whether it's something that's coming against us or someone is attacking us or there's some kind of adversity going on. We are deliver me now people, are we not? And I'm one too. I want to be delivered now. But there are circumstances in this life, I tell you, child of grace, that there's only one deliverance from those circumstances for some of God's children and that is to be delivered into the presence of God. And isn't that enough? (laughs) Here is Jonah. He doesn't know he's going to be delivered. He doesn't know that God's going to cause. the. He doesn't even know where the fish is, where the whale is. He's just saying, the only reason that I'm alive The only reason my heart beats, the only reason I take another strained breath because I'm compressed in the belly of the intestines of this whale, the only reason I can breathe is because God has raised up or brought up my life from certain corruption. (laughs) That's something, isn't it? I think that's a lesson from the life of Jonah that we can all learn from and graduate (laughs) with a degree from. And we don't have to go where Jonah went. (laughs) I don't want to go where Jonah went i got claustrophobia, so does Sister Tracy. You know, if you ever hear about us being swallowed up by a whale, just go ahead and pray we're dead. Because <laughs> we'll be going crazy together again and again and again. And I've said that before. I can only imagine how many times Jonah went insane. I mean, he probably lost his mind, went crazy, and then he comes back to himself, you know? <laughs> I would, if I'm being pressed in the belly of a whale and waste is floating around and going in and out of my mouth and nose and it's just nasty. Jonah says, yet in the midst of this terrible circumstance, thou hast brought me up, ascended my life from corruption. Can you not see the similarities to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ here? (laughs) He has brought up my life from corruption. And he says, oh, Lord, my God. And the literal translation in Hebrew is, oh, Jehovah, my Elohim. (laughs) You know, Elohim or El is the general word for God, just capital G-O-D. And then Lord, capital L-O-R-D, is the word in the word of God for Jehovah. So he is, a lot of times you'll see like a small G God referred to like Baal, which is not even real. That's not a real God. But this is the one true and living God. This is Jehovah, the Elohim. You see, this is the true God. Which, by the way, if you read back, you'll see that it is Jehovah that the mariners sacrifice to. It was not El or some other false god or, or some general god like Baal. It says they sacrificed to the Lord. That is Jehovah, you see. Jonah says, O oh Lord, my God. Now watch verse... Well, we'll get to verse 7 here in just a minute. Alright, that's the second way. That's the second pass through chapter 2. Okay, the first pass was the physical path, right? See the physical condition that Jonah's in. The second pass that we've made through Jonah 2, chapter 2, has to do with Jonah facing reality, right? He recognizes he is why Jonah is there. And now Jonah, now we're going to go back and make one more pass as we conclude our thoughts here tonight. We're going to make one more pass and consider his emotions and his relationship with God in this final lesson from the belly of the whale. Look at what his mind and his emotions were going through in addition to him recognizing reality, okay? Verse 1. This is interesting to me because I find seven seven different ways in which Jonah is praying to God and reaching out to God. You check me on this as we go through it. Seven different ways that he and I, I there may be more ways, but the point of that is this. He's reaching out to the Lord in every way possible. Seven's the number of perfection. And he's compressed in the belly of this whale. Out of the belly of hell, he cries to God. And he is, he is reaching out in every possible way. And for, you say, what's the lesson there? The lesson for me is, I think about how the puny little ways that I reach out to God when I'm getting a little pressed by the, the belly of the whale of the world. You know, I, read, I, might, I might offer a little prayer. Or I might, you know, so, you know so Lord, help me is reaching out in every possible way. That ought to be the lesson to us. Let us reinvigorate ourselves and when we are pressed by the world, when we are pressed these issues and matters of life, that we'll find ways and new ways to reach out to God. Every time I hear a preacher preach about prayer, somebody did it over the, the meeting. Somebody said something, I can't remember who it was, maybe it was Brother Derek. But when he said just a little snippet about prayer, it just... It just smote my heart, and I thought, I've got to redouble my efforts. I've got to get busy. I've got to get back with this again because I feel like I fall so short in that. Am I even connecting with God? I wonder sometimes. Jonah's trying to connect with God in at least seven different ways. Look at them. First one, it says, then Jonah prayed. The word pray right there, and all of these are different now. Every one of them is different. You go home and study that and check me out on that, on the definitions. He says that he prayed, and it means to entreat. It means to intercede. You know, he prays to God. He entreats to God. And then he says, in verse 2, I cried by reason of mine affliction. The word cry is a different word than pray. And the word cry carries the idea of accosting someone that you meet. We don't really use the word accosting, but it would be like I have done a few times whenever I'm in a place far away and I see somebody I know, <laughs> you know, that just thrills me to death. Sometimes it thrills me at times when I see some of you out at Aldi's or Walmart or somewhere, uh, you know, I say, Hey, how you doing? I'm never going to run away from you. If you ever see me running away from you, you can know that I probably lost my mind. <laughs> but if I'm way off somewhere <laughs> and I see somebody I know, I go, Hey, Hey, that's, accosting someone. You're not attacking someone. You're just re- energetically recognizing hey, there's somebody I know. <laughs> That's what Jonah's doing. He is accosting God. He is crying out through the idea of, of calling out and addressing Him by name. Hey, there's so-and-so. You know, as we would say if we saw somebody that we knew. Oh, <laughs> well, I probably should not tell this story, but I'm going to. The children and I and Sister Tracy were on a cruise one time and we pulled into Cozumel, Mexico. Tracy's back there going, don't tell it, don't tell it. And so as you come off of the boat in Cozumel, Mexico, you can get hooked up with these little individual places that you may go little excursions. And we had an excursion we were waiting for. Many, many, many people had that. So as you come off the boat, the rain clouds were coming, and there's this bar over here to the right, and it's called the Three Amigos. And we don't go in bars. But all of a sudden, it started pouring down rain. And everybody on that uh, little narrow exit area just piled under whatever they could get under. And so we all pile into the Three Amigos. And it's an open-air kind of place, you know. If you've got a problem with that, just remember, you know, Outback's got a bar, right? You say, what? I didn't know that. That's what those people are doing over there. Praise God you didn't know it. So we pile into the Three Amigos. And I'm sitting there a little uncomfortable. I'm thinking, you know, well, here we are. But there's a bunch of other families piled in there just waiting for the rain to stop. And I start making my way around. and Lo and behold, I'm not going to say his name, but there was elder so-and-so from Mississippi piled in the bar too with his family. And I said, brother so-and-so, very strange to see you here. I accosted him. And then I ran away just as quick as I could. That was the weirdest place to run into somebody that you know especially a Primitive Baptist preacher. And he said, what are you doing here, Brother Tim? I was like, well, he's just trying to stay out of the rain. We got out of there as quick as we could, as soon as the rain quit. Jonah is accosting God. He's calling out to God. Don't ask me how that happened verbally. I don't know that it did happen verbally. It could have just been in his heart because it's not much of a sound could be made in the belly of the whale at the bottom of a sea. So through the idea of accosting a person, he cries out, he calls out. And he addresses God by name, by reason of mine affliction, he says. Because of my anguish, out of the belly of hell, he says. From the world of the dead. That's what Sheol literally means. From the world of the dead, I cry out to thee. (laughs) Because he's a dead man. He is literally a dead man. Verse 2. I cried by reason of my affliction unto the Lord. And he heard me, watch. Out of the belly of hell cried I. It's a different word right there in the cry. It is the Hebrew word shavah. Y'all know how sometimes I hit, sometimes I miss. I hope that one hits. The alliteration of that word, shavah. That's the literal Hebrew word. That's what it sounds like when you say it. Ah! That's what he's doing. He's crying out. It means to hello for help. That is to be free from some trouble that you're in. If you were hanging on the side of a cliff and a branch was about to break, you're going to shava, help me. It's a different word. It's the third word. It's the third way that he's trying to connect with God. Verse four, it says, he says, then I said, I am cast out of thy sight. The word said right there just means to speak or to say. It's a different word. And he says, yet I will look again towards thy holy temple. Now, the, the phrase, look again towards thy holy temple, it means to regard with pleasure. Let that sink in. Jonah has not before this regarded the temple of the Lord with pleasure. Until he was cast out. Until he was in the belly of the whale. And he realized, I can't get there anymore. There's no way I'm getting out of here, period. I'm in the belly of hell. Oh, if I could just go back to the place where there was pleasure. And that was the temple of the Lord. Don't ever forget the temple of the Lord. It's where they connected with God on this earth. You want to know what the temple of the Lord is in this day and time, in our age? It is the church of God. Where we go at the point of public worship to connect with our God, you see? Jonah says, I can't get there. Some of you that are very young uh, may say, Well, you know, church is an option. I can go or I don't have to go. Just wait till you get old and you're not able to go. Wait till you're laid up in the bed like my father was and he asks, How did church go? I wish I could have been there. Wait until you're at that point and then you'll be like Jonah and you'll regard it with pleasure. You see? Oh, I believe I'm talking to a people that regard the worship of the Lord with pleasure. I can't wait to get to the house of the Lord. I can't wait to hear what the preacher's going to preach about. I can't wait to assemble myself with the saints. Yes, we have friends and loved ones here, but if every loved one that I had on this planet were to perish off the face of this earth, God forbid, I've still got the temple of the Lord. I've still got the place to connect with God, you see. I love coming with my family. It's wonderful. (laughs) And I love my friends and I love my brothers and my sisters. But if every one of my brothers and my sisters disappeared, every one of them has disappeared from Jonah. And Jonah can still connect with God in the highest place that he could possibly connect on this planet, and it is the temple of God. Mount Zion. (laughs) He regards the temple with pleasure. Verse 7, When my soul fainted within me, There's another one. He fainted. When my soul fainted within me, I remembered the Lord. How many times did he faint? How many times did he pass out? Notice it says his soul fainted. That's a different level of just mere passing out physically. His soul passed out. You understand? Oh, I hope none of you ever get to that point. I believe there are some children of God in the Word of God that you can read about that have gotten that, to that point, point. and I believe there's children of God that I've encountered in this life that have gotten to that point where their soul fainted. You see, Jonah's soul has fainted, but there's still hope because the Lord has raised him up from corruption. He said, "I will look." Uh, he says, "Though my soul fainted within me, I remembered the Lord, and my prayer came into thee into thine holy temple." The word "remember" right there, which is the sixth way in which Jonah is seeking to connect with God. I remembered the Lord. It means to recount. How many times in the scripture do you see, especially in the psalm, where you find somebody's down in the pit and they've gone so far down and it says they remembered. They're blaming God for their circumstances. They're blaming God because they're jealous or they're blaming God because of what's going on in their life. And then it says they remembered. Oh, I tell you what, that is the old saying, a mind is a terrible thing to waste. I tell you, the child of God's memory is a terrible thing to waste. Think about what God has done for you. Think about how God has delivered you and think about what God in his scripture says he had to go. The extent, That he had to go to to deliver you. Remember him. You see, Jonah recounts, I remember. That's another way that he tries to connect with God. And the last one there, verse seven, he says, My prayer came in unto thee, into thine holy temple. My prayer. It's it's not the same word or definition for prayer as the one we started out with where it says Jonah prayed, it's a little bit different. This is crazy. The definition of that last attempt by Jonah to connect with God is the Hebrew word tefillah, which means to intercede, to supplicate, and by implication, it means a hymn, a song. You know what that tells me? That tells me that Jonah's cold, stubborn, he had killed himself off to God's presence in one sense, and his life is out of tune. <laughs> he's finally making sweet music again. You hear me? After all that he's been through, whether God delivers him or not, his soul is now in a condition to where he's about to graduate from whale school with the highest degree, the advanced degree that you could ever the most advanced degree you could ever get. His, his soul is now making a beautiful noise before the Lord. I don't know how to tune. I've got a little tuner on my phone that I tune my guitar with. I don't know exactly how to tune a soul. <laughs> but I can tell you a lot of it depends on how we respond to the things that come at us in this life. Somebody like Jonah who was bitter and angry and rejecting God's mercy and and rejecting God's mercy that he wanted to bestow on a, a great host of people. And here he is now. He's been humbled to the degree that he is now making beautiful music before the Lord again. Because the Lord has mashed him and thrashed him and crushed him until he has no place to look. Don't let the Lord mash and thrash and crush you until you finally squeak out a beautiful noise to God. Go ahead and do it now. Don't get in the belly of hell to, have to, to be able to do that. You know, this is what he says as we close. So did, did we make it? I mean, we made it three times through. I can't believe it. I thought this might take three hours, but it only took less than 45 minutes. So this is, what John, this is the beautiful music that Jonah makes. They that observe lying vanities forsake their own mercy. Basically, what that means is that if you go after false gods and idols and think that you're going to find your connectivity with God, with the idols of this world, then you're kidding yourself. They that observe lying vanities forsake their own mercy. Notice Jonah is referring to God as his God of mercy, my kindness God. You understand that's the God that you serve. He is your kindness God that he will not be mocked. But He is a God of mercy and kindness. Let me say this to you a few different ways. I know we've got to close. Jonah says, They that observe lying vanities forsake their own mercy. Those who stop following God believe the protection of the mercy of God. Those who think there is a better path than the well-worn path of Christian discipleship are kidding themselves. Those who think that you are the exception to the rule of reaping and sowing, you are kidding yourself. Or maybe it's even put better from Matthew 7. Broad is the way that leads to destruction, and many there be that go in thereat. Jonah says, But I will sacrifice unto thee with the voice of thanksgiving. I will pay that that I have vowed. (laughs) The greatest words that any child of God could ever say as a born again child of God salvation is of the Lord. Jonah is saying, I'm going to honor God. I'm telling you that Jonah did not say salvation is of the Lord and then have a little caveat and say, now Lord, will you cause this fish to spit me up? That's not the point. You get it? He's not, it's not conditional salvation where he's saying, if you'll just do this for me, Lord. Now I will say, I do think that Jonah was praying a little bit, like I do sometimes in the past, when I'd get in a mess and I'd say, Lord, get me out of this mess and I'll serve you for the rest of my life. <laughs> I do think that some of that was intended when he says, I will pay that that I have vowed. But I really believe that Jonah has no clue as to whether or not the Lord's gonna deliver him out of that fish, out of that well, and he's just saying, Lord. You're worthy of praise. Salvation is of the Lord. The only reason I'm alive right here in the belly of hell is because you're keeping me alive. And Jonah graduates. The Lord spake unto the fish and vomited out Jonah upon the dry land. All that time, Jonah was coming to these connections with God. All that time. The Lord's bringing that fish closer and closer and closer to land. You ever heard of a beach whale? <laughs> well, that—that's where it comes from. And, and the Lord is just putting this whale on a crash course with the beach. And when Jonah says, "Salvation is of the Lord," I tell you, that's deliverance for every child of God, right there. Salvation is not by how good you live, or how good you act, or how—if you've accepted, or if you've uh, walked the aisle, or if you've been baptized—that's not salvation. That's not how you get it. Salvation is of the Lord. The only thing keeping Jonah alive was the Lord. And the only thing that delivered Jonah from the belly of the whale was the Lord. And here's this whale on a crash course towards the beach. And he runs himself and he's sick by now. You know, the things of this world just don't sit well with spiritual things. Jonah makes this whale sick. Can you imagine a 150, 170 pound man inside this big fish and he's just finally just sick. And so God puts the whale up on Sends the whale up on the beach and causes the whale to just spew out Jonah right there on the beach. Can you picture him there? He falls out on the beach. He's laying there pulling the seaweed off of his face, (laughs) spitting out whatever's in his mouth and his nose. He's a pretty sight, isn't he? Child of God, that's a picture of you and it's a picture of me when we go our own way. You're going to be just vomited up on the seashore and wonder how in the world, I hope you don't wonder, Jonah didn't wonder. He knew how he got there. I'm lying in this vomit. I'm lying in this throw up of this whale because of my foolish decisions. (laughs) I hope and pray that Jonah's diploma is a lesson to all of us. And I pray that none of us ever find ourselves in the belly of the whale like that. Let's go ahead and learn the lesson from preaching and studying and teaching and the experiences that we have. Let's learn that lesson And understand we are not the exception. We will find ourselves in the same type of condition if we go our own way. So let's go the way that God intended for us to go. If there's one or more here that would like to follow the Lord tonight, we give you that opportunity as we stand and sing.